Chapter 16 of A Magician Among the Spirits by Harry Houdini. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 16 Conclusion It has been my desire in this book to convey to the reader my views regarding spiritualism, which are the result of study and investigation the startling feature of which has been the utter inability of the average human being to describe accurately anything he or she has witnessed. Many sitters, devoid of the sense of acute observation, prefer to garnish and embellish their stories with the fruits of their fertile imaginations, adding a choice bit every time the incident is reported, and eventually by a trick of the brain, really believing what they say. It is evident, therefore, that by clever misguidance and apt misdirection of attention, a medium can accomplish seeming wonders. The sitter becomes positively self-deluded and actually thinks he has seen weird phantoms or has heard the voice of a beloved one. To my knowledge, I have never been baffled in the least by what I have seen at seances. Everything I have seen has been merely a form of mystification. The secret of all such performances is to catch the mind off guard, and the moment after it has been surprised to follow up with something else that carries the intelligence along with the performer, even against the spectator's will. When it is possible to do this with a highly developed mind like Mr. Keller's, one trained in magic mystery, and when scientific men of the intelligence of Sir Oliver Lodge, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, the late William Crookes, and William T. Stead can be made to believe by such means how much easier it must be in the case of ordinary human beings. I cannot accept nor even comprehend the intelligence which justifies the conclusion, so often put in print as the opinion of brainy men supporting spiritualism, that admits the possibility of a result being accomplished by natural means, but nevertheless assert their sincere belief that the identical performance by a professional medium is solely of supernatural origin and guidance. Nor can I understand the reasoning that, acknowledging the disreputable character of certain practitioners or mediums, deliberately defends the culprits in the performance of what has been proven a crime. Is it true logic, logic that would stand either in court or clubroom, to say that a medium caught cheating ninety-nine times out of a hundred was honest the hundredth time because not caught? Would the reader trust a servant who stole ninety-nine articles and then professed innocence when the hundredth article was missing? Sir Conan Doyle asks in all innocence, Is it really scientific to deny and at the same time refuse to investigate? My answer is most emphatically no. Nevertheless, they absolutely oppose all honest efforts at investigation, 
and justify the mediums in refusing to work when the conditions are not just as they want them. When one is invited to a dark seance for the purpose of investigation and finds the conditions so fixed as to bar him from inquiring too closely and compel him to be content with merely looking on, he stands a poor chance of getting at the facts. And should he dare to disregard the rules of the circle and the seance results in a blank, the investigator is charged with having brought an atmosphere of incredulity to bear which prevents manifestation. I do not affirm that the claims of spiritualism are disproved by such failures, but I do say that if under such circumstances one dared to investigate properly and sanely, and to cross-examine, as he most certainly would do in any other form of investigation, scientific or in the other walks of life, spiritualism would not be so generously accepted. In justification, the psychic says that darkness or excessively dim light is perfectly legitimate and that tangible investigation might result in injury or even death to the medium. The folly of any such fear has been proven time and again by the unexpected play of a flashlight. Even the ardent supporters who lay emphasis on such an absurdity have, according to their own confession, made or had made flashlight photographs, and there has never been a single case of harm or disaster reported. This necessity for darkness seems but the grossest invention of the medium to divert, even to the point of intimidation, the attention of the sitters. Such a necessity cannot be accorded a logical reason for existing under test conditions to demonstrate a scientific subject. It can be supported only as a visionary, speculative superstition, an instrument to foster hallucinatory illusion and as an admirable subterfuge to cover fraud. Sir Arthur says, If you want to send a telegram, you must go to a telegraph office. If you want to telephone, you must first pick up the receiver and give your message to either an operator or a waiting automaton. Very well. I have gone to the operator between the beyond and this earthly sphere. I have gone to the telegraph office that receives the message in code, to the so-called medium. What would be more wonderful to me than to be able to converse with my beloved mother? Surely there is no love in this world like a mother's love, no closeness of spirit, no other heart throbs that beat alike. But I have not heard from my blessed mother except through the dictates of the inmost recesses of my heart, the thoughts which fill my brain, and the memory of her teachings. Would not my private secretary, John William Sargent, come back to me and tell me the secrets of the beyond if it were possible? Did he not, just before he died, tell me that he would come to me if there was any way of doing it? More than being a private secretary, he was my friend, true, 
loyal, sacrificing, knew me for thirty years. He has not come back to me, and he would if it were possible. I had compacts with a round dozen. Each one promised me faithfully to come back if it were possible. I have even gone so far as to create secret codes and hand grips. Sargent had a certain word he was to repeat to me. William Beryl, the eminent mental expert, gave me the secret handshake a few hours before he died and did not regain consciousness after silently telling me that he remembered our compact. Atlanta Hall, niece of President Pierce, a woman ninety years of age who had had seances with the greatest mediums that visited Boston, called for me just before her death, clasped my hand, and gave me our agreed-upon grip, which she was to give me through a medium. They have never come back to me. Does that prove anything? I have attended a number of seances since their death. The mediums have called for them, and when their spirit forms were supposed to appear, not one of them could give me the proper signal. Would I have received it? I'll wager I would have. There was love of some kind between each of these friends who are gone and myself. It is needless to point out the love of a mother and son, the love of a real friend, the love of a woman of ninety toward a man who held her dear, the love of a philosopher toward a man who respected his life study. They were all loves, each strong, each binding. If these persons, with all the love they bore in their heart for me and all the love I have in my heart for them, did not return, what about those who did not hold me close, who had no interest in me? Why should they come back and mine not? Sir Arthur Conan Doyle has repeatedly told the spiritualists that I will eventually see the light and embrace spiritualism. If the memory of a loved one, gone to the protection of the hands of the great mystifier, means spiritualism, then truly I do believe in it. But if spiritualism is to be founded on the tricks of exposed mediums, feats of magic, resort to trickery, then I say unflinchingly, I do not believe, and more, I will not believe." I have said many times that I am willing to believe, want to believe, will believe, if the spiritualists can show any substantiated proof. But until they do, I shall have to live on, believing from all the evidence shown me and from what I have experienced that spiritualism has not been proven satisfactorily to the world at large and that none of the evidence offered has been able to stand up under the fierce rays of investigation. It is not for us to prove that the mediums are dishonest. It is for them to prove that they are honest. They have made a statement, the most serious statement in recent times, for it affects the welfare, the mental attitude, and means a complete revolution of age-old beliefs and customs of the world. If there is anything to spiritualism, then the world should know it. If there is nothing to it, if it is, as it appears, 
built on a flimsy framework of misdirection, then, too, the universe must be told. There is too much at stake for a flighty passing for unsubstantiated truths. End of chapter 16